it's November, that second season, it's time for Football Friday. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Mark. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Well, good morning to you on a football Friday. It's November already. Where has the season gone? And yet, we're right in the shank of it. It's football season. Really football season. Now, because it's November. There's an old saying at the Masters Golf Tournament that the Masters never starts till the back nine on Sunday. Well, in SEC football, this is the back nine on Sunday. Today on the program on Football Friday, I'll be joined by one of the veteran journalists in SEC history, a guy who's been around a long time, seeing a lot of things. He's a newly appointed sports editor of the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, formerly of New Orleans, formerly of Memphis. His dad was in the league for a number of years with LSU. Ron Higgins joins momentarily. He's got some stories to tell. He'll give us a little drill down on Dan Mullen and also He'll be uh, talking about what's happening in Baton Rouge uh, this weekend where the big, gigantic game of the century is being played, whatever you call it. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. And, then, of course, uh, Georgia, Kentucky. Georgia, Kentucky. You think the Wildcats can finish off this Cinderella season? It's a nine-point game. Today we'll pick those games. I've got Joe Williams, the irascible one from Denver, who I've picked against for 30 years, coming on the program here in a little bit. We're going to do our picks, and then the Iron Duke France Beard will join us on the back half and give us his thoughts, of his cogent thoughts for the weekend. He writes a column, of course, for us on our site, Buddy Martin Media, in case you haven't seen it, check it out. So, it is Friday, it's time for football, and it's homecoming in Gainesville. We broached the subject somewhat last night, what does it mean to you, if anything, homecoming? It, there's a consensus out there that maybe it doesn't quite mean what it used to mean. Maybe it's more designed for people coming from afar who come to one game. Uh, the opponent used to mean, as we talked with Mark Long last night, it used to mean a W. Uh, Florida favored, of course, in this game, so it could mean a W against Missouri, maybe. What about all the accoutrements of homecoming? Gator growl and parades and what have you. I don't take part in those things. Do you? 
I haven't because from a media standpoint, I have always gone as a broadcaster, writer, etc., and not so much as a fan. Now with the Gator Nation Kingdom, we're doing more things with the fans. We're going to try to get up there for South Carolina for a little celebration as well, tailgating. And today I've got my old school shirt on. This is about a 20-year-old T-shirt with a rip in it. One of my favorite shirts is, might have been when they first went with Nike. I don't know. Starting at least 20 years old, maybe longer. Uh, and my, uh, my sort of, uh, nondescript all blue hat. And then my background to right here on the picture, there's a couple of books there written by friends of mine. One of them was Tim Tebow. He signed that one up in Jacksonville. And Vern Lundquist, the golden throated broadcaster. I miss Vern, by the way. Um, just wrote this book, Play by Play. I just ordered it and I'm about to read it. So we'll have some weekend reading going on there as well. So we got picks today. Uh, we've got, uh, thoughts today. Uh, we'll share those with you. And we've got a special guest coming up who will give us his thoughts on the SEC, particularly on how about LSU Alabama, who you got? Who we got is Ron Higgins on our line the sports editor of the Clarion Ledger, who joins the Buddy Martin Show on Football Friday as we speak. Good morning, Ron Higgins. Good morning, buddy. How are you? Good to hear from you, my friend. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. You know, a few changes here and there, but still, still, uh, you know, it's a, a new place to work in Jackson, Mississippi as sports editor and, and still riding and still in the SEC, which is, uh, you know, always a, a main goal of mine. I've been covering this league for like 40 years now you've covered a lot longer i know you (laughs) have but and and you have a yeah it's great it's really great to to have somebody who knows something before 1990 (laughs) (laughs) i know most people think sec started when the espn started but there was an sec before that right yeah yeah honestly there was yeah i mean really i mean there was there was actually football played before 1990 i mean uh you know, they uh, a bunch of football. So I mean, uh, that, that's what kind of gives, makes this league great. It has a great tradition, and it just didn't start when uh, ESPN showed up, or when the when the league went to, you know, uh, expanded to Arkansas and South Carolina. You know, I mean, it started long before them. Exactly, and and, and I told the listeners a little bit about you, and for the new people that don't know, uh, Ryan is. Kind of from media royalty in the SEC. His dad was obviously well known uh, down in Baton Rouge. And tell us a little about your history. You started going watching Pistol Pete play when you were about what six years old, and and you've got quite yeah, a. Yeah, I mean, my dad was sports major director at LSU mm-hmm. from uh, about fifty four to sixty eight, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was the time during Billy Cannon. I was too young to remember that, but also, but and Pete Maravich, who I saw every home game play and. I still think he's probably the greatest college basketball player I've ever seen. Uh, and uh, it was a delight to watch him pay, play. But, you know, you, you, you fall in love with uh, with sports if you hang around, uh, you know, with what my, my dad did. And in uh, every Sunday after a Saturday night game in Tiger Stadium, he'd have his office in Tiger Stadium. And so on Sunday mornings, he would go in there and start writing stuff for the next next week's release. And, we go out the back door, my brother and I, and we go in Tiger Stadium on a Sunday after Saturday night game and kick field goals on the field and, and, uh, take golf carts and race through the, uh, 
uh, virtue of the underneath the stands and concession stands and and it's I guess that's where I got my education, buddy. I learned every type of liquor bottle there is. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to, I, I got to know Jack Daniel and, and you know, good friends, yeah, and all those. I got early times uh, and all those people like that. <laughs> it, yeah, by going through the stands of Tiger Stadium, oh, all, man. all the empty all, all wow. liquor bottles, I kind of learned. Uh, okay. oh, so, that's funny. I know you've written about it before. Maybe one day you'll do a book. You never know. Uh, you mentioned Billy Cannon. All right. Well, I am old enough to remember it, and I actually heard it live on the radio. And I went through the archives today, and I got the audio, and I got the video, but I can't play it on my system. But I have a black and white photo on the screen now of that famous Halloween night in 1959, who, you know, for a long time, it was regarded as maybe one of the top three greatest plays in history of the SEC, and maybe it still is. Uh, by comparisons, athletes and speed, you know, today that would be a lot different. But Billy Cam is such a legendary story. So many things said about it. I heard it live uh, on the call. I've heard about it, read about it. You know all about it. But, uh, you know, to set the scene, uh, LSU was actually, I think, leading the game 7-3 at the time. But I listened on the radio in my car with my girlfriend as I was listening to the game. And you back in those days, if you didn't hear static, you weren't listening to the radio. That's just what yeah. you had to do on AM radio. And I had, uh, is it WLW maybe? Uh, uh, listen to WWL, yeah. I listened to, they also had decent music. To, the Blue Room of the Roosevelt Hotel, I remember that. Um, so, uh, anyway, so I've, I've got this picture and you can, for people now looking at the screen, they'll see, let me get this football Friday sign down. If they look to the top and just a little bit left, you see this blur figure with mud all over his uniform. You can barely see him, and the referee is trying to match him stride for stride. There's somebody of LSU. He's, he's already gone. But among the stories I've read uh, over the years is that he may have had all 11 players from Ole Miss may have had a shot at him. And, and that's yeah. what was believed. That. Tell me what you know about this play. Well, it, it's, it's, just, it's the, I guess, the most iconic play in LSU history. Uh, and first of all, uh, LSU was trailing three nothing. It was a game in which both teams. It was an old school 1950s game where uh, it was it was in great field condition. So both schools punted on third down a lot to try to you know gain field position. Uh, something you never see today. Uh, and uh, so on this particular punt, uh, LSU had a rule that you don't feel the ball inside the 10 yard line. But on this play, the ball took a bounce, a high bounce, and Cannon standing at his nine yard line. And it just it took a high bounce, and he just right to his hands. And so he just said, okay, I, I got to go. And he, he went up the right sideline side and, uh, I mean, immediately I mean, shook off three or four tacklers. Uh, I mean, he shook off a bunch of tacklers, and he did run through the whole defense. And he ran right past John Vaught, old Mrs., you know, one of the greatest coaches in SEC history, ran right past him. And it's funny, I mean, just this year, I, I, I did a lot on that play early in the year because, of course, Billy died this summer uh, before he had a chance to see his statue, which was outside Tiger Stadium. Now it's a great statue. It's the first statue LSU has ever put up of anybody, which is to me pretty amazing. They they're, they're working on one on Maravich. They had one on Bob Pettit. Uh, Shaq has one, but they never had a Billy Cannon statue. And uh, so it did a lot of done, did a lot of work on on that play. And you know, and it was interesting uh, talking to the Ole Miss people about it. Uh, Robert Kayat, who was a place kicker on that team, who was also later the chancellor, he said what he remembers about standing on the sideline was that he, he remembers that Johnny Vaught had, had this beautiful suit on, 
and when Billy Cannon ran past him, and you could you could see he was going for a touchdown, he remembered Johnny Vaught sinking, both sinking to his knees, in this beautiful suit in the mud, mm. and he got up and he had these two big mud stains on his knee on his knees on this suit. Uh, the best story is, of course, Jake Gibbs, the guy who kicked the ball, who later was a catcher for the Yankees. Uh, Jake, uh, the, 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 the great backstory of this is that Billy became friends with a lot of the Ole Miss players long after that game. Uh, Billy was originally from Mississippi and moved to, moved to Louisiana, but he was great friends with all those players, especially Jake Gibbs, the punter. And so they would kid each other over the years. I mean, uh, Jake was the last guy who had a shot at him and, and uh, missed him. And, and Billy, Billy would always tell Jake, yeah, I, he goes, I, I put the leg on you and I took it away. And Jake would say, Billy, don't kid yourself. You were a straight line runner. Uh, but the best story out of all that is, hmm. you know, Jake Gibbs became Ole Miss's baseball coach. Yes. And and so every time he comes to Baton Rouge playing in the Hell's Box Stadium, there's this one guy on the third base side of Ole Miss's dugout that sometime during the game, when, when Jake would go to the third base box, he'd have the Billy Cannon radio recording of the, of the run. And he'd play it loud. And this guy would yell, Catch him, Jake. Jake, catch him, catch him, catch him. <laughs> and finally, one time, Jake had enough. He kind of walked over to the guy looked at him. And he looked at the guy. He said, hey, I want you to know something. He goes, there were 10 other SOBs who missed him before he got to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the crowd just broke up laughing. Uh, yeah. so it was, yeah, you know, and here's another thing I learned later on. And Rick Cleveland, the guy used to yeah. work here in mm-hmm. Clary Ledger, wrote about this. He found the guy that the, the, the guy claims, and, and Rick couldn't prove otherwise. He, he did research. One of the referees that ran down the sideline with him wasn't even a real referee. The guy got in the game wearing a referee outfit and sat on the bench behind Ole Miss bench during the game. And when, when Cannon took off, he just took off down the sideline with him. Hmm. About that one. Wow, how about that? That's amazing. Listen, I wish we could do this for the next hour. But unfortunately, I got to get a couple of things in. I want to get your picks on a couple of games. Okay, we know obviously yep. the big one, Alabama, uh, LSU. Uh, LSU is a is a big underdog in this game. Uh, a lot of points. We know the story of the quarterbacks. We know that nobody's really tested uh, Nick Saban's team for four quarters, and everybody has sort of conceded that it's all Alabama all the way to the championship game. Give me your uh, thoughts on this game and tell me where you think Alabama is ever going to be beatable. Uh, you know, the, the fun thing about this game is that the, all, there's a lot of LSU fans who, who who are just clinging to this thing, this notion that Alabama hasn't played anybody and they haven't been tested in the fourth quarter. And uh, maybe Alabama's schedule hasn't been great. But there's a lot of times you have teams that play schedules that aren't great, and they just kind of they struggle with certain games because they're not very interested. Or they don't, you know, they just they're not sharp every game. Alabama goes out and basically puts its foot on your throat the first half and crushes you. And I mean, they've been spot on almost every game as far as taking you out early. I mean, it's amazing. That they averaged thirty-eight point seven points in the first half, which, which, by the NCAA stats this week, would rank them as the twentieth best team in the nation in scoring just the first half alone. Uh, I, I truly believe. I, I think LSU is going to play a really good game. 
but I, I think they'll beat the point spread, but I, I still see LSU losing like by, by 12 or 13 points. Look, I just think – I think Alabama is looking forward to it. If it's a fourth quarter game, they're looking forward to having one. I think they're looking forward to a challenge for a change. But the, the, the whole thing is the LSU's got to survive the first half without Devin White's best uh, – arguably his best player. Yes, linebacker. for sure. And they got to survive the first half with that. And, you know, and, you know, the cross the been a lot of backlash over targeting, not retarding, not. But, right. But the, the whole thing about this rule that, that I don't understand, it's not just the penalty. It's the fact that when you have targeting the next game, when you see out that that half. That hurts. Yeah, that hurts. But you have, they sequester you and that you can come out and warm up in the first half, in the first half. And then you have to go back to the locker room really? the first half and watch the game. No, that, yeah, that's that's brutal. They got to fix that. Uh, so, are you gonna are you gonna take the the points in LSU's fourteen and a half? Yeah, I'm. I'm I think I, I think yeah, that one's about twelve. Okay, All uh, right. I, I think I, most of the time, most of the time when Nick plays LSU, he respects him so yeah. much that that. that uh, he, he pulled calls up the horses. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, All right, one more, real quick, uh, and thank you for coming on the program. It's been a long time getting you on. I wish we had more time, but it's a short show today. So uh, let's give me give me the the the, the Georgia Kentucky game, which is really fascinating. Kentucky being the Cinderella story right now, nine point underdog to the to the Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean Kentucky's done a great job this year. They haven't. Every year, you know, last two or three years, three or four years, they've, they've gotten to like about six, seven games, and they, they start folding down the stretch, and they haven't done that. They're physically mentally tougher than they have been. That said, I think Georgia is used to playing in these big games. They've mm-hmm. proven that over the last couple of years with Kirby. Uh, yeah. I think Georgia has a, a huge advantage of quarterback. Uh, Kentucky doesn't score very much. Their defense is good. I'm taking uh, Georgia and the points. All right, you're going Georgia. You're taking Georgia and giving the points, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Georgia's going. Georgia's going to. Uh, you think they'll beat them by more than that? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they'll, they'll, they'll win. Yeah. They'll probably win by, by, by a couple of touchdowns. I, I don't think Kentucky has enough scoring punch. I, I just don't. Okay. Well, there you go. You got it from the horse's mouth. You're headed to a different game, right? Yeah, I got I got Ole Miss and South Carolina. Two teams mm-hmm. are desperately trying to find. Just to, it, yeah. just to win down the stretch, you yeah. know. I mean? uh, but you know, any time you're in a uh, anywhere in an SEC game on Saturday, it's a good thing. Anywhere, yeah, absolutely. And Muschamp is going to try to hold them to under an eighty. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Hey, Ryan, it's great catching up to you, man. I really appreciate your time. I hope we can do this again. We got more time, and thanks for all the insight you bring. I'm so glad you're back in the world of newspapers. We need more Ron Higgins. Well, I appreciate, it, buddy. Uh, I mean, thanks for having. Me. All right, Ron Higgins. Uh, didn't mean to hang up on him quite so soon. Now, just let me tell you real quick about Dan Hightower. No one ever plans a car accident. Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. After meeting with Dan and his team, you'll know your case matters, that you matter, and that Dan will fight hard to get you just results. If you've been severely injured through no fault of your own by a careless or reckless driver, you need Daniel L. Hightower.
this is kind of a laid back day when we just sort of do our picks and we don't have as many guests and we have probably fewer listeners now, but many of you will catch this up on the Buddy Martin Show podcast this weekend and also later today. It's quiet morning this morning on a Friday on homecoming. I want to tell you about uh, Griner's, uh, Griner's uh, store for men, which is, uh, Around here, it's a, it's a, it's a well-known, uh, brand and, and store. And it's one we've been frequenting now for, well, since 1962, for those of us been around that long. If you haven't been to Grinders, it's a treat. They have all kinds of clothes for you. And especially younger and older generation, you can dress your grandfather there. You can dress your, your dad or, or you in college. You can go and get the right kind of thing. When I think about Grinders, you go see David Decidus. He, he's got a look. There's a certain look to a Grinders man. Uh, and, and if you don't know how to dress, what matches, this is a place for you to go to get quality clothes, which they've been doing for a long time. So I encourage you to go to downtown Ocala, 405 East Silver Spring Boulevard. Check out their fall line. Uh, stuff for coming up for the long sleeve shirts, the, the beautiful jackets and stuff that they have there, suits. If you need one, they can fix you up at Grinders. Downtown Ocala, 405 East Silver Springs Boulevard, Ocala, call 352-629-3195, Grinders for Men, Ocala. We'll be speaking with our friend Joe Williams here momentarily and uh, get his take on things. Uh, that would be, well, there you go. It's a football Friday headquarters right there in Denver, Colorado, answering his own phone. He used to have a secretary, but you know, these are hard times. Joe I've Williams. I've got one question for you. you got a question for me, Joe. Is it still a happy bunch of gators? I would say mixed, but mostly happy, yes. Uh, very. Mostly and wouldn't you happy. be? Okay. Is, After you know, that beat down? Well, I wouldn't call it a beat down because the this game was on the line, but still with under 10 minutes to play. So, uh, one score game. So, anyway, uh, but it was a, uh, a game that was winnable. Gator fans, uh, you know. Uh, one of all, except for just one small thing. So you've been waiting six. You've been waiting six weeks to say something about Felipe Franks, who no, you, I don't, who I'm you trash every time you're on the show, and I'm on your show. You trash him every single time, and I say to you, tell me somebody better. And by the way, things aren't going that great for the Buffs these days. Well, you can say that again, yeah. but down here. You know, when you go six and five, six and six, uh, that's a lifetime contract. <laughs> you give you a parade, right? It's called Way Out West. That's right. <laughs> One yeah. of the biggest collapse in CU history. But uh, what happened there, Joe? I didn't see it. What happened in that game? Well, I guess an Oregon State team that had lost 22 consecutive games on the road. Oh, my and goodness. they come into Folsom Field and overcome a 31-3 halftime it was just, I tell you, I've been watching CU football now for 50-something years. I've never seen anything like it. You warned me about them. I almost jumped on that bandwagon early this year after I saw them play yeah. pretty well. Now, of course, they lost their quarterback for a while. They lost their wide receiver, the coach's son, et cetera. So it does happen. But that's no excuse for blowing a lead like that. That's got to be uh, the no, biggest collapse in no, history, right? That the biggest, is that the biggest? Were they behind ever, when, they, when that happened or were they ahead? CU was ahead at the half, 28, 31 to three. Yeah, twenty-eight points, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. To, what... Not, not to Alabama. No, I not, get not, it. Not to I Texas. Get it. Yes, not to Michigan. Yeah, to Oregon State. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, moving on to this weekend, Joe. By the way, I got information on your card. I threatened to put the picture of you in the chicken suit up again, but I thought I'd give you a break on that because you haven't done that badly. But we're going to get some serious picking right now because this is November. 
Time to get serious about our football. And, uh, you know, we always like to say, as I said, the Masters doesn't start till the back nine on Sunday. Well, football season doesn't start to November. And here it is upon us these next four Saturdays. And looking back, you want to know how you did last week speaking against me? Well, you can go ahead and regurgitate it. I already know how I did. But oh, okay. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong. You didn't do bad. You won money. Yeah, I understand <clears throat> that. But you didn't win it out. You won 400. I won 800. And my my big bet came through for me on Kentucky. Uh, you had you had a lot of the right bets. You had them, but you your big one. Uh, I think you dumped on the Gators. I believe jumped on the Gators. I recall. But yeah, that's the last time out that one. Yeah, happened. there you go. Luckily, it was mythical money. Uh, all right, you ready for some games? Let's go. Any thoughts about? By the way, before we go, any thoughts about the rankings? Uh, yeah, uh, LSU. Of course, this is a one-trick pony. They they'll be mm-hmm. out after they get hammered by Alabama, and uh, they won't be heard from again. Um, no, no team. That you, I saw this. Where did I see this? I wish I could claim this for my own, but uh, I saw this someplace that uh, in the in the in the, uh, uh, in the college football playoffs uh, every October when the first polls are released, no team who's come out ranked number three has ever made the final four. <laughs> None of them. I saw that. And LSU won't either. So. Why? Right, so you kind of decide on LSU already? So it's a beat down. Yeah, it's a beat down, and uh, once again, they won't be there. What's interesting to me now, the the, the key to this whole thing, is Notre Dame. Uh, is Notre Dame going to lose a game, or are they going to escape? Because they're in for sure, as we all know, uh, just because of the television ratings, whether they're, how good they are or not, doesn't matter. If they're undefeated, they'll be one of the four. However, if they lose, and they're a one-loss Notre Dame, and you've got a team like Michigan that's coming on, and they've got one loss. Guess who that was to? Notre Dame. Yeah. And uh, Oklahoma, a one-loss team. Uh, there's going to be a lot of one-loss teams, yeah. I think, you know, given the committee. And uh, this will be just what we always pay for, buddy, is chaos. And we're yeah, that's right. There's going to be a lot of chaos coming up. We like it. Uh, incidentally, uh, I just got the phone with Ron Higgins, who sports at the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, been covering SEC football for 100 years. Uh, he's working in Memphis and in New Orleans, and uh, he thinks that it will be a close game, uh, Alabama, because Nick Saban's affection for LSU, he thinks. That's his thinking. So he, he went the other way. So let me get your bet down here. Uh, so I can write it down correctly. You have a bankroll. You, by the way, uh, I'm a little bit up on you. I don't know how much. I, I eat one 800, so I'm probably about 500 up on you right now. So it's time for you to take a plunge. You want to start with LSU, Alabama? Yeah, let's take Bama. Give me uh, for uh, uh, one long yard. Is that a thousand? Yes, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. In, in uh, you know, that's big time talk. I'm just a penny. Alabama, any. buddy. Look at it this way. Um, Alabama's offense. Alabama's offense is the best offense that I've ever seen uh, Saban have. Yeah. And he's had some good ones. But because of how good of a thrower that Tua is, yeah, uh, that, that makes them a, a cut above. LSU's offense is okay, but it, let's face it, they huff and they puff and try to blow the house down. They do. Hell, they couldn't, they couldn't even score three touchdowns against Florida. All right? Wait, 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 wait. You're getting personal now. No, I'm not getting personal. Uh, I'm, I'm handicapping the game for you, for everybody. Hmm. All right, LSU can't score. Hmm. You have to, uh, when you're in Alabama, uh, up against Alabama, you're in the arms race. There's about three teams in the country that can do that. One of them's Oklahoma. All right, those are the kind of teams that have a chance against Alabama. Pedestrian offenses 
like uh, Ed Orgeron is going to trot out there Saturday night. They got no shot. And the uh, LSU defense will just get wore out. They're good, but they're 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 going to be in the, they're going to be out there all the time because their offense ain't going to get first downs. Never never mind touchdown. So this is a beat down of the highest order. You can record it okay. if you want to. Well, well, I got the chicken suit ready for next week. And, okay. Uh, how many am I laying here? Fourteen. Uh, you're laying fourteen and a half. God, they can't make the number high enough, can they? <laughs> All right, thousand dollars. All right, so let's go right to Florida. Florida is six point favorite against Missouri. I'm wait, taking Florida, wagering three hundred. Okay, I'll take Missouri plus six. I think Florida will be a uh, uh, way let down after uh, uh, what happened last week. Uh, okay. I'll take Missouri to cover the points. I don't really know about a winner. I'll okay. take Missouri for five hundred. They couldn't make a first down in the second half last week, by the way. Okay. Um, Let's go next to let's go to Kentucky, Georgia. Uh, I'm actually taking Kentucky in nine, uh, yeah, and I, I'm playing three hundred dollars worth. Yeah, I'll take them for five hundred. I'll take Kentucky plus nine touchdown. Terry Wilson. I'll take him. The, the Gators are going to be a little deflated. I'm sorry, the Gators. The Bulldogs are going to be a little deflated. Yeah, don't make that, that mistake big, ever of calling them. That's that, that's that big win over Florida, no. and uh, Kentucky's at home. Their defense is for real. And uh, I like that point. I like the points. I like I'm the with points, you, buddy. Yeah. For once, we agree on something. Here. That's probably not this good for you. Jesse, no. Kentucky, and and Georgia playing for the right to get blown out by Alabama. That is true. SEC now that is absolutely true. that is true. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go uh, a game that would have meant something uh, earlier in the year, but doesn't mean a whole lot now. Auburn, Texas A and M at Auburn. Texas A and M gets four points. Well, these teams have trouble scoring uh, points. I'll take the under. I like Auburn. Well, you, I thought uh, that was your Heisman Trophy winner playing quarterback for Auburn. Yeah, you know what? I missed on him. Yeah. Jerry Stedham's not even making the all. I don't know what happened to him. I might even yeah. take Felipe Franks over Jared Stedham. <laughs> but don't be dogging my boy Felipe now, okay? Yeah, I might even take him. Okay. So, well, I don't think I Felipe got, is going to win the Heisman either. Uh, but, I got uh, Texas A&M plus the points. Okay. Uh, Texas A&M plus the points, just a, a measly uh, $100. Measly on 100 I like huh? it. But I like the under 49 for 500. Oh, you're playing over-under. We don't have that feature on our program. Okay, all right. So, um, uh, yeah, so, and so, uh, let me make sure I got this right. Alabama for Joe, uh, Missouri for Joe, uh, Kentucky. Be Alabama for Buddy. Uh, you know what's good actually, it is, um, but uh, um, it is. Uh, and then uh, you've got Kentucky for five, and um and now you've got who'd you say take Alabama? I mean Auburn and Texas A and M. I tell you, uh, just a hundred, just a hundred bucks on Texas A and M plus four if we're p- picking against. The yeah, hey, you're taking. I don't like, I don't like that. You're game. taking A and M. Yeah, if you make me, yeah. All right, and how much you're playing? A hundred. A hundred, yeah. All right, final one I got on my card today: Oklahoma, Nebraska. I know how you love to hate Nebraska. They get seventeen and a half points against it. A team is struggling though now. Ohio State. Yeah, I think Ohio State is going to pound Nebraska. Uh, uh, I don't. I, I, Ohio State's had a week to think about what happened at Purdue. Uh, Nebraska is going on the road uh, to Columbus. Uh, I think Ohio State will uh, come out and probably play their best game of the year. I would say right now. So how much? I like Ohio State for three hundred. Three hundred. All right, Joe Williams has got Ohio State. He's got Texas A&M. He's got Kentucky. He's got Alabama. And he's got Missouri with the points, but he thinks Florida might win the game. 
I don't know if the Florida will be. I just take the points. I don't have a particularly strong feel. I think the Gators will be. It's just college football is a game of emotion. They spent everything they had against Georgia. But show a little respect, Joe, for a team that's ranked 11th in the country, okay? Murray, Missouri's coming in with an NFL quarterback with an NFL arm. Yeah, and, uh, and who couldn't get a first down last week. Other than that, yeah, it's going to find. I understand that, but this week mm-hmm. it's the deflated Gators. You're just going to find a negative spin on this. I'm about ready to put that chicken soup picture up on the screen any second I right figured, now. Yeah, I figure if I keep pecking away, it'll get up there. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that picture. I will put it all over America if you, if you, threat, uh, if you do this to me. All right. <laughs> well, Joe, have a good weekend. Uh, enjoy the football. We don't have many Saturdays left, big boy. We don't have many Saturdays left. That's exactly right. And uh, people, the folks here in Denver are looking forward to hearing you today on our show out here in Denver. A new time. 3.30 Eastern uh, Standard Time. I'm looking forward to doing it with you. I always do. I always love doing doing. Joe, thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you on your show. The Joe Williams Show. My high seat. America's top sports talk show hosts. At least Denver's, I think. All right, so let me just tell you about a couple things. And we're going to go get the Iron Duke. Talk to him a little bit, and let's uh, discuss uh, this right here. Uh, and that would be, well, we don't want to do that. Uh, we uh, that would be my bank, and it should be yours, Center State Bank. Uh, we were centered on community and customer service. Um, if you are not aware of what's going on there with Center State, you should because. Uh, number one, uh, they're pretty good in the banking business, I'd say. I tend to forget about it sometimes because uh, they, they are so, so involved in the community, and I forget they also are in the bank, uh, because that beautiful building, which I love so much, the second floor, I've talked about it a lot. Uh, you can actually call them and try to schedule it for special events if you would like. Uh, <clears throat> their telephone number is 352-368-6800. Also, if you want to open up a new account, savings, whatever, that's your place to go. Uh, they're all over Florida, 82 locations, probably more than that by now, in 30 Florida counties. Uh, and they pride themselves on core values like being driven by the local markets. They uh, take a long-term view of finances, long-term horizon. Uh, they're big on relationship banking and faith and family, and they also offer world-class service. Center State Bank, you want to check them out, go online at centerstatebank.com. Uh, here in Ocala, this beautiful building is located on uh, Silver Springs Boulevard. You can go online, check it out, Center State Bank, and then get your location. Meanwhile, as I say, if you'd like to call them here in Ocala, 352-368-6800. Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. <clears throat> All right, uh, we got about 25 to go here on this football Friday. Thanks for joining us. I know that some of you are busy on Friday, and you don't have a chance to tune in. That's okay. <clears throat> we, we get that. We want to get this show done, so it'll be up here on the site. By the way, the podcast comes out usually about a day after. <clears throat> Go to iTunes and check it out with Buddy Martin Show. We're starting to get a lot of traction there. <clears throat> a lot of people are listening to it now. Uh, and uh, if you can't always watch. And then, of course, it stays here on Facebook. And for you, if you want to come back uh, and you want to take pick it up and listen to it later. Or watch it. You can do that. Uh, I'm going to go out to the telephone lines now. Well, actually, I'm going to go to Skype and see if Franz Beard is going to pick up the phone here. And we'll check with him. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Mark's Prime. Mm. I show this food at night. It really makes me hungry. I'm, it's going to start making me hungry tonight. I think we might be going there tonight, but I'm not sure. I hope we would. I'd uh, love to show the food because it's beautiful. It's also very good. 
And if you have not tried Mark's, well, you've been missing it. Mark's uh, Prime Steakhouse and Seafood, located in Ocala and Gainesville. They have uh, terrific service, including they have a complimentary valet. If the weather's bad and you know you don't want to put up with that, you can uh, uh, you can you can get them to take your car, park it, and go pick it up for you. It really is nice to have when you need it. Uh, Mark's Prime, uh, Ocala and Gainesville. Uh, they offer terrific food, terrific service. They like to you have a unique dining experience, uh, and they like to say they want to please your palate and soothe your soul. Uh, go nine at uh, MarksPrimeSteakhouse.com and check out some of their, their food they've got there. Or call them, by the way, in Ocala, 352-402-0097. In Gainesville, 352-336-0077. Uh, if you inquire about their gift cards, makes a great holiday gift. It's really one of the best restaurants I've eaten in anywhere, and I think you should try it. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. Check out their wonderful dining experience. You'll be glad you did. Tell them Buddy sent you, okay? Um, all right, so one more thing before we take our, get a hold of our friend France. Rentstar Medical Research, a company that is very involved in our community. Number one, they care for our health. Uh, they're always trying to make it better. And they do that through clinical research trials. Uh, they have them there. They've been having these high patient, high quality patient centered studies now for quite some time. And since 1968, they've done almost probably have done 700 clinical trials. Uh, and all the information and data they get is sent off to their uh, the prominent pharmaceutical and biomedical companies throughout the industry. And that helps us here knowing how to treat such diseases as Alzheimer's, psoriasis, osteoarthritis, migraine headaches, fibromyalgia, along with other conditions that affect us. You can take part in these, by the way, if you'd like to, by uh, call it 352-629-5800. They'll give you the information there about how to take part in them. Um, and I want to mention also that, uh, this, uh, this, this is this week's Scott Brantley, uh, award weekly winner, the Rentstar Star of the Week. Uh, Brian Maurer, uh, was had a fantastic game and a fantastic season, breaking all kind of records. He's a Tennessee commit. Uh, and we love the fact that Rentstar sponsors uh, this this player of the week, Rentstar Star of the Week. More coming on the Scott Brantley Trophy and Award. Meanwhile, you can go on the Rentstar Medical Research, find out what they mean when they say seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. This is the Scott Brantley Award I told you about, uh, <clears throat> and uh, you'll want to uh, check that out. I'll have more on that coming up. Some exciting, exciting plans about that. You're going to love when you hear about it. Uh, let's see. Franz is saying about time and Franz, that would be right now. Uh, we're going to call you and check in with the Iron Duke and see what he's got going on there. <clears throat> Franz Beard, who writes an article for us every week. Uh, a couple of them. If you, if you haven't been seeing that, you're missing out because the, the Iron Duke's been writing some really good stuff, uh, both on BuddyMartinMedia.com, uh, also on, uh, Buddy Martin's show page, the Nation Kingdom. He's everywhere. Well, he's the Iron Duke, that's why, and he joins the program on the Football Friday. Francis, as you just wrote that, I was just saying, we're about to call Franz Beard right now. So good evening to you on the Football Friday. Good afternoon. Good morning to you. i got to get it right on the Football Friday. Well, you covered all the bases, evening, morning, afternoon. Got it all. Yeah. You, you, there's very, you know, you, you didn't didn't let an opportunity pass. Absolutely. By the way, I have a question I'm going to keep up on the screen just for you. Chris DeCubulus, Dr. DeCubulus, he got his doctorate, you know Chris, CD Farms, of course, uh, has uh, has posted something which I was going to let you answer. 
uh, says, uh, in your opinion, are the Gators still thinking about Georgia, or do you think they're focused on Missouri? I know homecoming has its own distractions. What's your thought, friends? I think Mullen has been been there and done that, and he knows how to get a team that has had a bad loss to get it out of his out of their minds. Um, this is why I, I go back to the nine years he spent at Mississippi State. He learned how to be a head coach, learned how to how to win, learned how to lose learned how to get his team up and motivated, et cetera, like that. Uh, McElwain had no clue about that, hadn't done done it enough as a head coach. Uh, Will Muschamp was still learning on the job. Urban was great at it. Uh, Spurrier was great at it. Zook Zook had a problem with it. And these guys that don't have the head coaching experience, it's a problem for them. The guys like Mullen who do it, they're pros at it. Uh, Florida's going to be ready. Good answer. I'm sure that the Dr. DeCumas appreciates that. Um, we just start calling him Doc now. That's right. Doc, have you seen, if you haven't seen the video of him on Facebook playing Johnny Cash, that boy can pick a guitar now. I'm telling you what. That's good stuff. You know, I'm an old bluegrass guy, and I know a little bit about picking. You know, I can't pick like that, but uh, it's uh, something that uh, you ought to trade. Go on Facebook and look it up under. Chris I was listening to the Punch Brothers just last night. Yeah, okay. There you go. You know, what what we call contemporary classical bluegrass. It's different, but it's good bluegrass. Just the same. Yeah, they're, uh, this is a fusion music of jazz and whatever, which I think I'm, I'm kind of a hardcore bluegrass guy. I'm, the, I'm Ralph Stanley in that bunch, but that's another story. Well, um, I also like the Avid Brothers an awful lot. Yeah. Okay, here's uh, the deal. Uh, Len Tindall, who's one of our uh, more astute listeners and uh, our, our um, assistant chief knight of the of, of Gator Nation Kingdom, points out a very important thing here. He says, a 4 o'clock kickoff on homecoming is much better than a noon kickoff. Agree? Oh, much better. I, I, I don't like noon kickoffs at any time. Uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, I think that it, it's – I think the team needs that extra time to that that time in the morning. They they get up and they've had they're at the hotel and we've been through the to the hotels and we know how they go to their meeting rooms and they break things down and everything like this. Uh, uh, I find that twelve noon kickoffs are there's far far greater distractions during a during a twelve no noon kickoff and even with this being homecoming it's a football game day and these guys have a routine and uh yeah i i, I don't have any i i have no thought that they yeah. will uh be unprepared in yeah. any work all right so, so let's talk about felipe for a second i made this several i uh i made this comment several times during the week after you were on with me monday uh and and looking at the the really good teams really good teams, the playoff teams and they have one common theme. If you look at Clemson and you look at Alabama and you look at Georgia and to a lesser degree LSU, but the top ranked teams all have one common analytic. They have a really good quarterback. Not just good, but a really good quarterback. And I raised this question, or I guess it was Mark Long I amazed it with. And I'm not in favor of this, 
But I bring it up because if you study analytics, and by the way, I don't like them, but I'm not a numbers guy. But if you do, and you say, okay, the analytics say this, okay? And you have to have this many passes, this length, whatever, this completion. They crunch all these numbers, and you say, okay, the quarterback position has to be a position of strength. And you look at Tua, and you say, well, that's the model, okay? And now you start modeling, you look at it and say, what does Notre Dame do? They upgraded their quarterback, right? What did uh, Georgia do? Georgia changed their quarterback. You know, what did LSU? They changed their quarterback. And even Alabama changed their quarterback. You know where I'm going with this. So now if you're a strictly a numbers guy and you say, look, everything points to the fact that you need a change in a quarterback position. If you're not getting production of it, how do you deal with Florida's? And that is a question that's hard to answer. I'll tell you right now, I'm not in favor of a change, but I'm asking you. Strictly, objectively, is that something that Florida eventually is going to have to address? Yeah, in 2019. But this is 2018. And uh, what is that old saying that uh, Dan Jenkins had in his book? You dance with the one that brung you. And that's what Florida's got to do. Felipe has his good moments, has his bad moments. The critical thing for Felipe is this. He's got to get off a really good start. He has a hard time shaking off a bad start. I think that the overthrow of Van Jefferson and then the underthrow, it was again of Van Jefferson and it resulted in a pick last week and I think his head went off to Somalia or someplace like that for a while afterward. It took him a long time to get his head back in the game, get his confidence back, etc. like that. Uh, this is what this is the difference between a Tua and and a Felipe. Tua can make a bad throw. Now he doesn't have any interceptions, but he can make a bad throw and an overthrow. And he's got short term memory. I mean, it's boom, it's gone. It's it, he's already thinking of the next pass. And I don't think Felipe. I think this is what separates Felipe, who has great arm talent, who has great physical talent. I think this is what separates him from being an upper-tier quarterback. The great quarterbacks, the ones who are in the upper tier, they forget that bad play, and they've, moved, they've already moved on to the next one. The moment that ball is released, they're already thinking of the next play. Yeah, it's and funny I you say that because it's funny you say it because I've talked to three people who are around Franks a good bit. None of them are coaches. And they all said the one trait he has got is the ability to forget and be resilient. That's what they claim he's got. Now, I don't know that. I, I've not seen it myself. I'm just saying that's one position. But uh, I, I know people – I've heard people say that too, buddy, but we've seen him make – you know, like in the Kentucky game. He ha, You know, I think he has to make that first good – I think once he's made that first good pass, he's good the rest of the game, you know, but until he gets that – Person. If he starts out bad, I think it takes him a while to get cranked up. Uh, you know, it's kind of like metabolism. So he needs a he needs a couple of you know just like we need to to eat a couple of the right things to get our metabolism going the right way in the day. I think mm-hmm. Felipe needs a couple of good passes to get his passing metabolism going the right way. Okay, that's a good point. Now let me read you a question from Steve Kreider, the Rocky Mountain Gator Club out in Denver, a friend of mine. He brings this point up. Do the Gators have a tight end or running back out of the backfield that's easy to throw to for Franks and can make yards on first down 
and also get the third when they needed it. We saw a trick play in the tight end versus LSU, and that's it, right or wrong here. That's the question. Does he have an easy throw? I think he's made some of those myself. I think they've got several. Getting the ball to Tony would certainly help more often. But what is your thing? Do you think do you think he needs some 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 easy throws? Oh, I definitely think they've got to get him some easy throws. And I, I'll tell you the guy that I would like to see more involved in the passing game, and that is LaMichael Perrine. He is a very, very good receiver. And he is, and as we are seeing, once he gets an open field, he is a very underrated open field guy. Uh, we think of him as a tough guy that, that breaks tackles and gets yards after the first contact. But he really does have good open field ability. He may not have that burst to separate and, and go 80 yards, you know, like a, a Jordan Scarlett has a burst or something like that. But he's a good open field guy. He can make some guys miss. He can get some yards. I would like to see him more involved in the passing game. And, and you and I have talked for, for weeks that we think Kadarius Tony needs more touches in a game. I, I'd like to see him get the ball, have the ball in his hands at least seven or eight yeah. times every ball game. Yeah, you know, and France, one of the models that they can dust off, uh, this was a brilliant game planning, and we kind of knew they'd have to do it. Because Mississippi State, why do you go into the teeth of that defensive line where you got a couple of number one draft picks, and they did a brilliant job of the perimeter, the bubble screens, and getting the ball to the speed on the outside. That's an attack that really worked well there, and one of which I'm sure we'll see again. So that's what we're talking about. There were some, those were easy throws. Those were all little two-yard you know, pops, you know, here and there, and give it to him and with a blocker in the open field, which I think is what we're talking about. So I think you're okay on there. I think one of the things I saw lacking in the Georgia game was they tried hard, they could not get the explosive play. That's the thing. As you say, he threw, he had a guy open, and he overthrew him. Another time he threw, he got a guy open, and he threw an interception. The explosive play. The running backs are doing the, the brunt of the war. I mean, they're getting, those guys are doing some great, making some, you look, go back and look at that 15-yard run uh, a couple weeks ago uh, uh, by Scarlett, Jordan Scarlett down to the one. That was Georgia, wasn't it? Um, and, and that was just all want to. And he made a tremendous move, took a couple of blockers. So the running backs are playing exceptionally good. I'd like to see Damian Pierce get a little better at pass blocking, get a little better at some things. He's got speed. They can use him. And my goodness, they have 17 receivers. I mean, they, they literally have he has 19 different people that call balls, okay? So they've got the people to get the ball to. The question is, can he get the ball to them? Which brings it back to the quarterback position, which brings us back to the upgrade question. I am not in favor of going and getting the former Clemson quarterback and bringing him in. That's something no. we talked about last night. Uh, because that's what the trend is now. You know, because that affects the chemistry of your quarterback room, although I don't like that term, that is true. That sends a message, the wrong message to Jalen Jones, to Emory Jones, and it messes up everything in, in your system. So I can't see that as a viable option, you know, in terms of going back out and getting him. Uh, but I do think there's something you have to think about and talk about and be willing to do if it helps your football team. But to me, that's not a positive step. Florida needs to go with Jones squared, mm -hmm. Emory and Jalen. Jalen Jones is putting up just ridiculous numbers at Henrico High School in Richmond. 
And uh, then we saw Emery. Uh, he's got a shiftiness to him as a runner. He's a decisive runner. Uh, I don't know about you, but I was I was very, very impressed by the way he hung in the pocket and made that deep throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, we talk about plays that were game changers. If that goes as a touchdown and not uh, a pass interference call, holy cow, that, that whole ball game could have been a different outcome. And we would certainly be singing the praises of, of Emory Jones this week, and mm-hmm. probably there would be a, a tremendous amount of second-guessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that there was a pass interference call on there kind of overshadows the fact that that we saw the kids got the arm and could make the throws like that. That was yeah. The touch on that throw was just unbelievable. Yes, it was. I, I, that showed me something. Finally, I know he can throw the ball. Uh, I've seen enough to know he can throw it. I wondered. Uh, Franz, you ready to do some picking? Yeah, I'm ready. How are you doing this year on your picks, by the way? Uh, well, you know, I didn't do too well last week because I picked Florida, but post the athletes, I'm pretty good. A lot of us went down with that one. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I had, you know, I... I think I've been doing pretty well on the picks for the most part. By the way, I'm not sure you can see it in the background, but I've got Vern Lundquist's new book over here on the side right here, play-by-play. I got a chance to see Vern up in uh, Jacksonville and looking forward to reading that book. I just came in on Amazon. So, And i got Tebow's book here. Can I say something about Vern? Sure. We had some people online who just made some ridiculous comments about Vern. i got to tell you something. You and I know both know Vern. You've known him certainly a lot longer than I have. But talk about a guy with a heart of gold who has done more to help more people in the in the media business. You know, if anybody people come in, they say, "Gee, Vern, I'm worried about my job or whatever." Good old Vern goes out and looks for people to try to help him get a new job and things like that. What a heart of gold that guy has. He's a great guy, and uh, certainly one of the real characters that's ever been in the media business. Well, I'll tell you a couple of quick stories on Vern. First of all, he and Terry Bradshaw did TV together. And how I met uh, Terry, and I knew him, uh, but uh, how I really got to be friends with him, the CBS called me in Denver, Joe Williamson and I were doing a radio show, and said, we've got our team coming to Denver to do a uh, to the Bronco game. Uh, do you want to have them on your show? We said, sure. So they'll come out of the station. Well, great. Terry Bradshaw and Vern Lindquist. So they came by the station that day. Just so happened we were having some kind of celebration. I don't remember what it was. Station manager had some Long Island iced tea or something or whatever. So they came in for a 15-minute segment, Joe and I. And we had the best time. And 15 minutes turned into an hour and 20 minutes. We had Bradshaw and Vernon. And it was hilarious. It was a great show. And off that, that show, I then called Terry and, and, and did a column about him. And then ultimately wound up writing this book. Uh, as you know, but Vern also was the guy who inducted Terry Bradshaw to the Hall of Fame. You know that? Yes, I did. Yeah, so he, he did his induction. So Vern's retired now. When I saw him on Saturday, uh, we talked about it, and he and David uh, um, Bolton are good friends, and Tony Barnhart was there, and we're chatting. And I said, Vern, 
I told you when you said CBS was going to take you off the NFL and give you college football, and you said you were worried about it, you were nervous about it, and what did I say to you? This will be the best move you ever made in your TV career. He said, boy, were you right about that. And, of course, we know now because when you go through these years, and by the way, friends, I'm, I'll tell you this now, uh, I am having conversations with the SEC. We got a call back this week. They're interested in talking about the, the Skywriters Tour documentary, which will be really cool if that comes about. So, anyway, so, uh, uh, so, so Vern, I said to Vern, what's cool about it is, is with the rise of the SEC, and you and I have seen that, as the, the domination they had, and you go through the files forevermore, and those calls will be the voice of Vern Lundquist. All those big games, Alabama, Florida, will have the Vern Lundquist golden pipes on it. So that's a good thing. I like that. And, and, and let me put it this way. The greatest Masters moment of all, and Vern had just a one word, had one word, yes. What a call yes. at the Masters. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that call, of, of course, of Tiger at 16 was famous. I said, you've been more, well, more big of big moments and big things. I'm interested to see what the book has to say. Let's, just, let's pick some games. All right, okay. let's, let's start with let's start with the Kentucky-Georgia. Georgia is a nine-point favorite. Can they repeat what they did last week? Is, stubborn, is, is Kentucky going to be stubborn to beat at home? Can Jake Fromm get it cranked up and get it going? You think Kentucky and nine is enough? Well, I, I think that the game is going to be closer than nine points. I see Georgia winning simply because I don't know that, that Terry Wilson can make throws against Georgia. And uh, he really couldn't make throws against Florida either. But you got they, one big one on Brad, uh, yeah, on the safety, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he can make the throws that he's going to, he's going to have to make. And I, I think as a result of that, Georgia will pull it out, but it's going to be close. Yeah, it was Brad Stewart that he got he beat against Florida. Um, all right, so you're going uh, you're going Kentucky plus nine, but Georgia to win the game, right? Yeah. All right, let's take our friend Urban, who's going through a lot right now. How about DJ Durkin? Uh, you wrote about that in a column. By the way, Francis' column is online now on Facebook page or on BuddyMartinMedia.com. Good job. Ohio State is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite over Nebraska, woeful Nebraska, who finally is in the win column. Which way are you going to go with the 17-and-a-half, friends? Oh, Ohio State will win that one by 30 or more. All right. I picked that earlier. I also took Ohio State, and I also took Kentucky. All right. A game that should have been a lot more and was going to mean a lot more, but isn't mean as much as we thought it would. Auburn, Texas A&M favored by four at Auburn. Um, been going back and forth with this one because both these teams are sort of at a crossroads. The team that loses is going to go in a funk, and I got a feeling that Jimbo's going to win on the road. Okay. I, I like I like Texas A and M to win the game, uh, maybe by as much as a touchdown. It's going to be a lot of unhappy people at Auburn. Already is. Uh, two more to go. The big man in Baton Rouge. Uh, one where people are saying, is LSU for real or is that just a facade? They get, you get 14 and a half points to take LSU against the mighty Crimson Tide. You willing? Yep, I am. I think the only team that, I think there's only two teams in the country that are capable of hanging with Alabama. One of them is Clemson and the other one is the Alabama second unit. 
on both sides of the ball. All right, and finally, it's homecoming, and these Gators have a lot at stake here. These four wins mean everything to this program right now. they got to win them all, and starting with Missouri, Drew Locke it can be hot, Drew Locke can be cold. If he gets hot against his secondary, although C.J. Henderson is back, it could spell trouble. Florida's favored by six points. What do you think? I like Florida to win and cover. I like Florida something like uh, 23-14. I think that uh, I think Mullen's going to play it very close to the vest. I think it's going to be a, a lot of ground and pound because I think what one of the things that Dan is going to do is he's going to play defense with his offense. And a lot of running plays – move the chains, keep the ball off the uh, out of the hands of Drew Locke, make sure you get two or three first downs every single time you have the ball, and that puts uh, Tommy Townsend in position to flip the field and Florida to win the field position game. I like Florida. Like I said, I like him by, by something like 23-14. He's the Iron Duke. He's Franz Beard. You can read him here. You can see him here. And, uh, Always good to have friends on a football Friday. And, friends, we'll talk to you Monday night where we'll do the postmortems on Florida, Missouri, and see where we go from here. All righty. Thanks a lot, All right, thanks, Franz Spears. He's uh, a guy we love to have on the program, obviously, because he brings a lot. And that's and we're lucky to have him. Appreciate it very much. All right, we're going to wrap this thing up uh, here and see if we can get back to the business of uh, – well, let's see if we can get it back. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, – Okay, let's see. We want to do this. We'll just go ahead and say goodbye. But uh, thanks for watching and listening. Have a good weekend and homecoming if you're going. Uh, be careful out there when you're driving. Uh, and uh, we'll be back on uh, on Monday night with the Franz and the gang. Uh, Graham will be here. Uh, we'll have a chance to uh, get the numbers and the quotes and the information. And we're looking forward to uh, to that time. So hope you'll uh, enjoy your time. That's all our picks for the weekend. And that's all the time we have. Uh, Enjoy your football Friday and talk to you later.